The Boiler Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Shroff Landscaping. Shroff Landscaping has been in business for over 50 years and can handle all of your landscaping needs, including landscape design, maintenance, irrigation, hardscaping, and they are licensed lawn applicators. Contact Mitch Melton today for all of your landscaping needs at 317-694-9763. Shroff Landscaping, design with you in mind. This is Carson Edwards from the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to the Boiler Breakdown Podcast, hosted by Tanner Lee, Evan Webb, and Andrew Eiler. They have to win there. Painter understands. Trying to save it, jump ball here, and kept in place by Edwards. What a great they numbers. They got numbers. Edwards steps oh. it in. Oh! The ball is going to walk out, baby. They're walking out, baby. From Neal, Carson Edwards. Oh! oh my good hammer time. Bring it down. The big, bad, burly bowlers take the lead by four. Shot clock down to nine. Can't dribble himself free. He's going to have to take a long one. Five, step back, three for the tie. Oh, he's done it again. It is Tuesday, December 10th, and you're listening to another edition of the Boiler Breakdown, or maybe you're watching live on Facebook and Twitter. Andrew Eiler's back this week with us. We missed you last week, Andrew. Yeah, I uh... – Miss you guys, but I, I I didn't want to talk about that Purdue IU football game anyway. So. I don't blame you. It wasn't fun to rehash. It wasn't even fun to recap the season. But uh, yeah, for uh, Aaron Lynch did a good job filling in for you. So yeah, he did. I watched. I was enjoyed it, but we appreciated him filling in and his bold yeah. predictions that backfired on him big time, <laughs> picking Notre Dame over Maryland and. Uh, what was it? Uh, Georgia over LSU were the two bold ones I remember off the top of my head. So, Webby, how are you tonight? I couldn't hear you. Nope. Uh oh. Well, yeah, it looks like he is having some technical difficulties. <laughs> Still yeah. muted. Yeah, hear him. He is. He's, he's left the room. <laughs> technical difficulties, but. Uh, well, Andrew, I was, we don't need him. I was already yesterday prepared. I'm like, okay, we're just going to cover basketball. You know, there's a few football notes here that we can cover. Yeah. And then, boom, yesterday afternoon, kind of a bombshell. At least I didn't see it coming. The news that uh, Purdue Divas coordinator Nick Holt has been let go. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I, guess, I don't know. I um, I kind of thought check, Holt. Check. There you go. You're good now. There we go. Uh Talking about Nick Holt, Webby, didn't miss much. No, Other than that, I was I was surprised uh, to an extent that I thought Brown and Holt were kind of like that. Holt was kind of one of Brown's guys, and I thought he'd get one more year, kind of show improvement. Year four, when he doesn't have injuries and he's got Neil back. I mean, year two of Karloff, so they'd get one more year. But kind of looking back, I think there must have just been more there, but like just differences between Brown and Holt personally, I think, or just their Coaching styles, kind of going back to those first couple of games when it was clear that Brom wanted Holt in the press box, and it was pretty clear Holt did not want to be in the press box. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of exciting to go through see what 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 it could be. I guess I was looking through options and talking about that, so I'm kind of excited to see what what he does from there. But not yeah, like Nicole, so. 
You know, it was one of those things I kind of agree with you. I thought he'd get one more season, mainly for the injury aspect of it. So, but the defense did get worse as the season went on. Um, but to your point, yeah, Brom and Holt have been together for six years now, at least as a head coach and defensive coordinator. But there seemed just to be some friction all year long. Started in that Nevada game or before it maybe of those two getting into in practice, then he was up in the press box, then he wasn't. But And I know I've mentioned this on the podcast, and I've spoke to you guys about it in text messages and stuff. It seemed like after every loss, Braun was really hard on the defense in post yeah, games, like comments, really hard. And every time I'm like, man, I don't know if Holtz could be back next year, just how he was talking. But it still came to a surprise to me because on Twitter and all over social media last week, he was hitting the recruiting trails. Mm-hmm. Um he was in Mississippi. Uh, he was all over the place. And even um, uh, Tom Deanhart this morning on uh, 101.7 The Hammer on the morning drive show with Jared Justice and Kyle Charters, they had him on, and he said, you know, when you're around Holt Sunday during their annual um, Kiwanis football banquet, you couldn't tell that. I mean, if he knew he was going to get fired, he sure wasn't showing up. I mean, are you guys expecting anything? Are we sure he was fired? I mean, maybe – are we sure it's not mutual? Maybe they both just agreed that, like, it's time for them – that maybe they had some more clashing and, like, it's time for us to go do something else. And uh, and maybe he was out and he was talking to his guys saying, like, hey, I'm not going to be at Purdue, but, like, it's still a great place and you need to stay. It but could maybe, be. Um, personally, I don't know. The only reason I don't think it was that is because we never got a quote or a comment from him. I feel like it was if it was mutual, maybe he would have said something. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of how Brom worded – his uh, statement. Yeah, I guess I didn't see Brom's statement. I just saw the Golden Black that article. They talked about how he wouldn't be coming back, but he said something on the lines of that. Uh, he enjoyed coaching with Nick Holt over the last few years. He's a great football coach, and he wishes him and his family nothing but the best, or something along those lines. So, mm-hmm. um, Webby, what are your thoughts? I mean, I was kind of like you. Said, I thought he would get at least one more year, mainly just because of the injuries. Um, it definitely came as a shock when I read it. Um, but then I also, at the same time, it was shocking, but also, again, it was kind of not all that surprising because we kind of saw, I mean, really since 2017, the defense regressed every single year, um, you know, each game. It just felt like, you know, there was something wrong with the defense, whether it was, you know, not playing too, as, as aggressive or whatever it was. And, um yeah, I, I hope it was, was a, went out. They went out on good terms, but I'm thinking it probably wasn't that at all. I think it was more on Brown's side, just wanted to make a change. I'm kind of worried because, I mean, I feel like this, you'd think they'd want to bring in someone to develop, but Brown doesn't have time to bring in someone to develop, but even seeing someone who's proven now, and I don't really know, you know who's going to want to come, but we'll see. And, yeah, and, uh, but I, go ahead, Tim. No, go ahead, Andrew. I guess what I what I think is interesting when you talk about Brown being critical of the defense, it seemed like I mean, and I know he was critical of the defense as a whole, but it was almost more like he singled out the secondary for playing like all the soft cushions and things like that. And yes, Nick Holds is the co-defensive coordinator, but linebackers and line, and we have and Anthony Poindexter, the other co-defensive coordinator, safeties coach, and they have a defensive back coach and who. Uh, Brown, I can't remember his first name. Um, right, his name Brown. 
what is yeah. he's, he came from Auburn last year. Remember that? Greg, remember Greg that. Brown, maybe. Right? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, so that's what, that's why I that's why it kind of seems like there's maybe more of something more than just unhappy with that. I think there's just something with the relationship between the two where they decided it. good time for them to split. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, I know you know Purdue's out there recruiting hard with signing day next week. Want to make sure they got all their uh, all their bows tied with all the recruits. You know, you want to make sure you keep everybody in sack, nobody jumping. Um, I know Brian uh, Newbert said uh, Clyde Washington and Ben Kroll were still solid with their commitments, even in the wake of the coaching change. So, so that's good news. You know, I like Nick Holt's fiery and in his intensity. Uh, and how animated he was and everything. But the one thing, and, and I'm not going to act like I know all the X's and O's of defense in football because I really don't, but I thought his defenses were, were always really good when he was aggressive. Yet late in games, he was never aggressive. He would be conservative and it yeah. pretty bad. I mean, because they talk about that second half, second half of that Penn State game when – that seemed like they were kind of turning the corner. They played aggressive for a few weeks, and they did do pretty well for two and a half, three games. Um, and then kind of since that, when Purdue was kind of back up against the corner, they were in Aiden O'Connell had those game-winning drives, but it seems like all of those games, the defense had a chance to kind of seal it and didn't come up with the big stop that they needed to, and that was kind of a pattern for the last couple of years, it seemed like, where the, the defense had a chance to kind of win the game and didn't. Mm. And and that came into O'Connell this year, take, taking Purdue down and finishing the game. Fortunately for Purdue, a couple of times, but kind of agree. Yeah, uh, they had defense. I don't know, just didn't come up clutch. No, no, and it, and it stemmed back to 2017. I mean, they had that Nebraska game at Ross Aid. Defense mm-hmm. kind of struggled uh, last year. I'm trying to think if there was any game last year. I don't know. Wisconsin, probably. I don't know. Yeah. Yep, that was, yep, yep, Wisconsin. And then this year it was um, Nevada was the one right away when it was a healthy defense for the most part, besides uh, Lorenzo Neal being out there. But well, and then the and then the O'Connell game winning touchdown drive or those drives and the field goal. I mean, the defense had a chance where they could have ended it. And, and, in, and in, in Indiana, yeah, had chances. So yep, um, absolutely. Yeah, but it's always tough when you see a coach go. It's, it's a tough business coaching, especially in college. It's a tough business. Uh, but wish him and his family nothing but the best. But now this is a critical decision Jeff Brom's going to make, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't afford to lose next year. He's no. got to have a winning season, especially when you have a $120 million renovation project at ross Aid. People aren't going to want to spend big-time donations no. unless you're winning. Right. And is getting into year four, so the guys he's recruited—they've been in the program two, three years. You should see some. How many guys do we have? Are we gonna have? Are we gonna have any left over from Hazel next year? Was Neil? Neil, was Neil, Neil, yeah. Sindelar, if he comes back. Back. Um, anybody who's a redshirt senior next year, That's I don't true. know. Yeah. Jared Sparks. Yep. Um, Anthrop. No, I know he was. I think he I think he yeah, came under Hazel, but he his freshman Stayed. year. I think wasn't his freshman year. Jabram's first year. That's a good question. Off the top of my head, without looking it up, I'm not sure. I, I think I think you're right. I I think you're right because 
I do remember, yeah, when all of with Shepard and then Rondell Moore and all the wide receivers coming, I do remember that where the article about Shepard saying like, oh, like we're trying to recruit over you basically. And you, and he just keeps coming back and contributing. So if he was, if he's still, if he's a senior next year, then he's been playing. Maybe I don't think he played. I don't think that four year, the four game rule was in effect. No, it was this, this year. So. This year was yeah. the first year is in effect. So um, yeah, now, I mean, I guess before I get into some candidates that Tom Dinart on uh, goldenblack.com has kind of put on a hot board list, what, in your opinion, would you like Purdue to go outside the program for a hire or promote with them and why? Or do you have a preference? I go back and forth. I mean, I kind of like the idea of promoting from within, just kind of keep it, you know, in the family type thing. But sometimes it's good to have an outside, outside opinion, outside, you know, fresh look at things. Um, so, I mean, you never know with how to hires if they're gonna if they rock the boat on some things. But I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. I yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't. I guess I don't know that much about Poindexter. So obviously, yeah. I think. The one they'd promote from within, if it is. But he was teams uh, coordinator at UConn, right? When he yeah, I do know that's about all I know about him. But I mean, I haven't seen him. I mean, all you see on the sidelines is Holt because he was so animated, and I mean, he's, he was he's fiery and fun to watch. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing like a, like somebody who's kind of known for recruiting and kind of uh, I mean, somebody from outside who would kind of just be a new perspective and uh, just a really good recruiter to kind well, of help you open the Brock's back to guys. He ain't come back. No, no. He, I, I've seen some people on the message board saying, like, yeah. let's bring him home. He, he's pretty. He got a pretty good gig for himself at Illinois State. Yeah. He, I think he's still holding a grudge against Purdue, and rightfully so for him. Yep. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's. It, I think it's an attractive opening that Purdue has. You can come into a situation of a program that I think's on the rise, even though they had a bad year this year. It looks like it's got bright days ahead. And Nick Holt was believed to make anywhere between six hundred fifty thousand to seven hundred thousand. That's a pretty good salary for a defensive coordinator in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, so, and if you think about it, I mean, potentially you're going to have Lorenzo Neal back, who's by some has been called the first or second round NFL pick. Yeah, he is coming back. He's not potentially yeah. coming back. But I mean, okay, if he plays, I mean, he was supposed yeah. to be back this year too. So I don't know if you can yeah. count sure that he's going to play or not. I mean, we thought he's going to be back for. Nevada or TCU, no. Uh, and then you got George year two, looking like another, I don't know, like a Ryan Kerrigan first round, second round pick at worst, I think. I don't know. I mean, so you got some building blocks. Plus, Brown's offense is always going to score. So you'd have to think as a defense, you're going to have, you could just be average with Brown and Rondell Moore and Plummer, O'Connell, Sindelar. The three quarterbacks, uh, yep. and have some time. So I agree. I think it'd be it should be good opening. Well, looking at this list, I'm going to go down the names he's listed here. A few of them pop out to me, uh, including the first name on the list, Tracy Clay's. Uh, Purdue fans and Big Ten football fans might remember him. He was the head coach at Minnesota after Jerry Keel stepped down. And he went nine and four at Minnesota, and then they fired him to go get PJ Fleck. Uh, he's been a defense coordinator at Emporia State, Southern Illinois, 
in Northern Illinois under Jerry Kill, and he was the defensive coordinator this year at Washington State, but he stepped down midseason. Um, Why? I, I don't know. I don't was know. Personal or something. I don't think it was health reasons. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it was just him and Leach not getting along or what. But he's only fifty years old. Um, yeah, I always thought he did a good job in Minnesota with their. Uh, I mean, I mean, he went nine and four as a head coach. I thought he did a pretty good job. Uh, Ron English, he's currently the safeties coach at Florida. He's 51 years old. He was the defensive coordinator at Louisville in 2008 when Brown was an assistant there. He's also coordinated defenses at Michigan and San Jose State. And he was most notably the head coach at Eastern Michigan from 2009 to 13. Uh, I've seen this name on the message boards a little bit, Court Dennison. He is the uh, co-defensive coordinator and outside linebackers coach at Louisville. He's only 30 years old, though, so that's pretty yeah. young. Uh, I don't know if we go that young. I, I don't know. I just – yeah, that's my opinion. I know it's the Louisville, like he's one of Louisville connection. I'm sure Brom's like know him, but, I mean, I, there's no way they would have overlapped. Like Brian, Brom, maybe. I don't know. He's in his third year at Louisville. He worked for Petrino, and then he was re retained by Scott Satterfield this year. So, interesting one here, for former Purdue defense coordinator Marcus Freeman. He's currently I, the defense coordinator and linebackers coach at Cincinnati. He's only 33 years old. I wouldn't mind him coming back. I liked him a lot. Mm -hmm. I would be open to that possibility. Yeah. I like that, and I like the Tracy Clay's possibility. Those are two that are kind of sticking out to me so far. I thought Freeman was a good recruiter. Oh, I did. He 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 had good mm -hmm. energy on a staff that wasn't very good. Yeah, I think he could fit in perfectly with this staff, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, Derek jo Jackson, who was uh, mm -hmm. he's the associate head coach slash defense coordinator in Northern Illinois. He coached cornerbacks and was a defensive recruiting coordinator under Brom uh, the past two seasons in seventeen and eighteen for Purdue. So he could be one to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, you got Vic Cole. Coning, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He's the current defense coordinator at West Virginia. Brom worked with him at Illinois in 2010 and 2011. He's a uh, defensive mind. He's coordinated defenses at Troy, Wyoming, Illinois, and Kansas State. He's 59 years old. Uh, Jim Levitt, people might remember him from being a head coach at South Florida from 97 through 09. He is 63 years old. Uh, he was working as an analyst at Florida State this past year under Taggart. Um, he has coordinated defenses at Kansas State, Colorado, and Oregon, and coached linebackers in the NFL. They got Anthony Poindexter, who is the current Purdue co-defense coordinator and safeties coach. So if, if they promote from within, you got to think he would be the guy. Uh, Paul Rhodes, he's a defensive backs coach at UCLA. He has coordinator experience at Pitt, Auburn, and Arkansas. He's 52 years old, and he's working for Chip Kelly right now, of course. And then uh, Peter Sermon, he's co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach and associate head coach at Cal. He's 42 years old. Uh, he was defense coordinator at Louisville in 2017 under Bobby Petrino. He also ran the defense at Mississippi State in 2016. He was also a good linebacker in Oregon, and he played in the NFL. So, those are the guys on the hot board, according to Tom Diener. So who? I don't know who about any of them. I guess. I guess. 
Yeah, any any names besides Freeman stick out to you guys? I mean, uh, Jackson, I, he was one I didn't really think about. I mean, I thought he was a pretty good, decent recruiter, and I mean, wouldn't hurt to. I mean, obviously, there's the relationships already there with Brom, so it's a matter of you know, if it's something that he's open to. It's obviously a step up. I mean, kind of going from coordinator to coordinator, but in terms of just level of play, as he knows. I don't think his – I know he's working with Mac-level talent, but I don't think their defense was very good this year. Mm. I think it ranked in the 70s, I want to say, 70s or 80s. But, like I said, that's Mac-level talent. But uh, It's his first year. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, there's definitely some interesting possibilities. You know, of course, the message boards have thrown out names like former Rutgers coach Chris Ash, uh, mm-hmm. former South Florida, Texas, and Louisville coach Charlie Strong. I think those guys might end up being D coordinator somewhere, but I doubt it would be at Purdue. I think yeah. I got to go for mm-hmm. I've heard Charlie Strong in connection to the Ole Miss defense coordinator opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Ash. There's some rumors maybe Michigan State if D'Antonio wants to get rid of their current defense coordinators. So. We'll see. I mean, I'd be open to either one of those guys if they want to come yeah. in. They definitely are defensive-minded guys, big names around mm-hmm. college football. But uh, we'll see. A splash, kind of a splash hire, yeah. It's interesting when this stuff happens. Um, you know, under Joe Tiller, it didn't happen a ton, but Jim Chaney left. He had to find a replacement offensive coordinator. And then uh, under Danny Hope, they replaced the defensive coordinator a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Daryl Hazel, of course, they replaced coordinators. So it's interesting when it happens, but big decision to make. Do you guys think it happens pretty quickly or just get drawn out a couple weeks? I hope it happens quickly just because you got signing day coming up. I mean, signing day's next week? Yeah. I, I, I know Brom, I think just what it seems like and everything, how he's been, that he wants to be totally honest and forthright. And that's why I guess it makes. I don't know, sense as what his reputation when he goes into homes, I'm sure to say is like, Hey, like I just want to be totally honest. And that's why Holt has been relieved 10 days before signing day and not the day after signing day when he's locked in and like appreciate and appreciate that, but still it kind of makes you, and that's what makes me think that he's got a plan. And I think it, I hope it happens quickly and I think it will. It's just kind of, when it'll be announced. I feel, like, I, think I feel like at this level you can't indicated. make that decision of firing out without having at least some idea of what you're going to do because otherwise you're just – I feel like it's just a recipe for disaster. They probably, probably – Work for a while. Yeah. He probably always has a short list just because, like, mm-hmm. I know I've been kind of worried that, like, like Shepard was going to get poached to go mm-hmm. step up somewhere. So I'm sure he's – kind of aware that, I mean, if you've got – you hire good coordinators, then, I mean, yeah, you're going to pay them, but at some point they're going to leave because they want head coaching experience and obviously not going to happen at Purdue as long as Purdue's successful and Brom's still here. But um, So I think he probably always has. I mean, I'm sure all of them, all, every coach in America probably has a short list of ideas of saying, okay, here's my first five calls that if so-and-so leaves – it's a, it's a good and bad problem to have, kind of like Matt Painter once in a while loses an assistant. Mm-hmm. While you're successful, it's going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tip of the hat to your program, but it's frustrating when you lose a good good uh, assistant mm-hmm. that's also a good recruiter. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, Other football notes, a few others here before we move on to basketball. I know we mentioned Karloftis last week, uh, making the All-Big Ten the second team, and then the honorable mention. David Bell was second team 
was the second team coaches 13 media or was it the other way around? I don't remember. And then he also won freshman, Big Ten freshman of the year, which was not a surprise. But nope. I honestly thought he would make second team both media and coaches. I was a little surprised mm-hmm. to see him yeah. on, on one of them. But, but and then they both were named to the freshman All-American team by uh, 247 Sports. Mm-hmm. Good honors for both of them. So interested to see the other do honors. Find, do, do we find out if he's like a, if he's a, like a consensus All American? Has that ever been discussed, or do we find that out? Later? I think that stuff should be rolling in. I don't know when because Heisman will be this weekend, right? Um, so we should be finding that stuff out. Let's say pretty soon. Jonathan Taylor got robbed. I was gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can make a case for him, Trevor Lawrence, and uh, Clemson's running back of all being finalists, um, but the finalists are. Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Justin Fields, and uh, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. With it's gonna be Burrow, but yeah, yeah. certainly so. Yeah. Uh, last football note I want to hit on before we move on to basketball. Uh, on Friday afternoon, it was announced that the largest single donation to Purdue athletics ever uh, took place. Uh, Bob Roman and his family donated fifteen million dollars, and the football field at ross Aid Stadium is now going to be called Rorman Field. So it's still ross Aid Field. It's just the field itself is now Rorman Field, kind of like Katie Court, Katie Court. at Arena. I mean, yeah. so uh, a lot of backlash, a lot of mixed feelings, especially Friday. But I felt like cooler heads prevailed over the weekend when people got mm-hmm. to think about it. Yeah, I understand um, the people who wanted it to be called Tiller Field. I, I totally get that. And there was supposedly a – uh, Arnett Tiller, the wife of late Joe Tiller, supposedly trying to round some money out and supposedly had up to $10 million in pledges ready to go. But a pledge is different from a cold, hard fact, here's the money. Yeah. Pledges are yes, that push comes to shove. How much money is that going to come in? So you got to take it while you got the chance. And $15 million is a big chunk of money that will go towards Purdue Athletics and the ross renovations. So mm-hmm. – in the end, I got no problem with it. And, and I'm not from the Lafayette area, but I know Bob Rorman's auto dealerships, they do a lot for that community. And they were founded in the Lafayette area before they branched out and became the 36 or 38 dealerships across Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, et cetera. So they do a lot to the Purdue, uh, the Purdue and West Lafayette and Lafayette communities. So, you know, maybe it doesn't sound the best, but I don't have, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. No, I was uh, one of those people that when it was announced, I was pretty pissed just because the first thing that popped in my head was just the stupid commercials that they make. But, I mean, it's good. Good advertising. Good advertising, if I remember it. Yeah, it was sticks. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, but then it was kind of like, man, they just gave $15 million. Like, for a program <laughs> that that needs it badly, it's not like we mm-hmm. have just the constant, you know, yeah, we've got donations coming in, you know, all the time, but at that, that level where we're trying to get to the next level just doesn't happen very often. And the fact that they wanted to do that was pretty cool and very generous of them. Yep. And uh, it'll hopefully jumpstart the funding. Cause I mean, they've already said that, you know, this renovation thing is going to be hundred percent funded. They can't finance it out. They're kind of at their yep. um, debt capacity right yep. now. Um, so it's going to, I mean, it's going to take as long as it takes to get all those donations. And I mean, 50 million is definitely, you know, well short of 120 million, but it's, it's a good start. Step in the right direction. Did, did they say, was it like naming rights for X amount of years? 
No, I, I for some reason was thinking that there was like a small like five years or something. I don't know I where it's one of those things is on there for good. Um, but you know, I'm guessing if the price was right, if somebody really wanted to put their name on the stadium for the right price, say they want to do it for 105 million dollars right now, they'd do it. They would do it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> there, see, so I'm guessing. What a breakdown stadium it is. All right. <laughs> I can contribute five dollars. <laughs> I'm guessing it's. I'm guessing there's some kind of. It probably didn't come out, but there's some kind of contract. How like Conseco Banker's Life has changed names, just because probably they have a title sponsorship, and there's probably something in there that. But I wonder with like the naming and like the family with Rossi, like with a Mackie, like what that. Because I'm sure there's been people who have come forward saying, "Hey, we'll pay you X amount if you name the basketball arena after after us or whatever." But and maybe that price is just too high, or but I'm not sure what kind of agreement they've got. No. There's really anything said so, so that was one of the things I saw on the board. People were like, well, you know, what's you know, can't wait to for Purdue basketball to play, you know, at whatever name, random name arena. Um, I feel like that's far ways away, but I mean, never know. I think it just depends on what's set stone in the original contract. There might be yeah. writing that from you know, uh. Yeah, from the families of the Ross family or the Aid family that say mm-hmm. you can't change it. I, I have no idea. In, in, oh. in, in going back to the Joe Tiller Field idea, there we got Tiller Drive, which I know that's not the same thing. But but the more I got to think about it, you know, I love Coach Katie, and I'm glad our court's named Katie Court. But you know, Matt Painter's 49 years old. He's on pace to win probably as many games, if not more, than Gene Katie did, and say he fingers crossed, wins a national title. <laughs> he then becomes Purdue's most successful coach ever. Yeah. Shouldn't his name be on the court? That's where it gets sticky, naming yeah. after players or coaches, because mm-hmm. those players or coaches might not always be viewed as the best or most successful in those programs. So mm-hmm. that's where it gets but at the same point, it's kind of like, okay, if Katie hadn't been so successful and built the foundation and had the history, then right. Painter or the same thing with Tiller, say – Purdue goes to a Rose Bowl and back-to-back years or something like that in 2022 and 23 when Brom and now Brom is Purdue's yeah. coach. Same thing. Tiller, Tiller kind of put Purdue on football on the map 20 years ago. Yeah, but you, then you can even go back to Jack Monkoff. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, he's already got stuff. Named, there's so many things they can name after people. Um, but I get it. I mean, Joe Tiller Field would have been really cool. It would have been a nice dedication. But I, I, I see both sides of the argument. It's, it's interesting. I, I, I could see – I don't know if it was on the board or someone had said could it have been like, yeah, Joe Tiller Field by Bob Lorman. Like, yeah, that, that gets really wordy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's too yeah. – yeah. yeah. If yeah, Matt Painter wins the national championship, name the freaking school after him. I don't even care. <laughs> yeah. Is there I, I saw something else too. Like um, someone mentioned that because I think the press box, because that was built when Tiller was there. Yeah. Kind of, was that his? Was that his kind of drive, or was that? I don't really know. Because someone's like, well, maybe you he, named I the press box helped, after. Uh, so I think it got done in was your O two or O three got done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he kind of pretty much Purdue and him realized they needed that, like yeah, to yeah. Be up, so you could do like, names like that after him. Like that was like he had yeah, a direct yeah. hand. If he if he did have a direct hand, you could have yeah. a direct hand, or you could name that after him, or 
the concourse so, or something. I don't know. So we're going to name the lights after Brom then, right? Yes. But, but also, I don't want to be one of those schools that names like everything after somebody, right. you know? So, but it's where we live in. Money speaks. So money talks. So. Thank God it's not the KFC Yum Center, though. That's a stupid name. True. <laughs> True. So. Where does Ohio State play? What is it? Like the. Uh, value City, Value City, yeah, Value discount, City, discount furniture arena. You got, you yeah. know, Illinois used Illinois basketball stadium used to be Assembly Hall, and now it's State Farm Center. I mean, you come up and you pay the money, and yeah. it happens in pro sports all the time. Different mm-hmm. contracts run out, and and uh, companies go bankrupt and whatnot. So interesting, interesting, interesting business side of the Boiler Break. Yes. The money right. issue, yeah, we're coming yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, any other thoughts you had? On, I know you missed last week's episode, but you wanted to uh, finish out on the Purdue season or for football or outlook for next year, quarterback situation, anything you wanted to hit on that we didn't last week? No, I don't know. I'm still kind of a bittersweet season. Like, yeah, obviously it would have been nice to end. End on a high note and taking down IU, and they had all the chances, but really, I mean, they were pretty fortunate to be in there at that end. Same point, too. IU had lots of chances as well. Um, I guess I want to get your opinion. I got Aaron and Evans last week. Who's starting week one on uh, September 6th, I believe, at Nebraska next year? I'm going to say Jack Plummer. Who do you think of the two quarterbacks that start the spring game? You think Plumber's back? I don't think Plumber's back for the spring. Game. I don't think Plumber's back for the spring game. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know if Sindler's back or not. I can't decide. I don't think he's back. I don't it, think so either. But I wouldn't be surprised. The reason I don't think he's back is he didn't. He did. He did walk at this on the senior day ceremonies, and Lorenzo Neal did not. He wasn't even announced. In mm-hmm. like. Um, at the start of the season, when Jeff Brom took a picture of the seniors, at least the I one I saw, say that. He was, was not in that picture. No. But then he stood up the there on stage at the banquet with the seniors. Oh, so okay. so just little things like that. And Purdue's mm-hmm. uh, rumored interest in the South Carolina graduate transfer quarterback, Jake Bentley, who ended up going to Utah. Why would mm-hmm. they be Why would they be interested if Sinclair was mm-hmm. going to come back? So just little things like that. Um, but – I don't know. And maybe he comes back and plays football somewhere else next year. But I, if, if I was a, if I had to put a bet on it, I think he's retiring from football. But we'll, we'll see. That's, I'd love, I'd love to have him back. I'm a big Sindelar fan, but mm-hmm. I think he's a special talent. He just unfortunately can't help stay healthy. And I think he'll be like 24 next football yeah. season. Yeah. He's getting married in April. So. Yeah, I bet. I think he's probably just had enough yeah. beating up. A lot of It'll be uh, uh, quarter The quarterback committed Mike Alamo. Is that who it is? Did he say his last name? Alamo. Is he an early enroll? Like, is he going to early enroll? Assuming he didn't flip so. now that Shiano's hired there. I mean, nothing's yeah. happened. So. I think pretty solid to Purdue from what I've Yeah, I, I, if it was going to happen, I think it would have already happened. Mm-hmm. But. All of our New Jersey guys are pretty solid. At least we can hope so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't I don't who's what other quarterback is on the roster if Plumber's not healthy, if it's O'Connell and Pifari. You guys call me crazy, but I think O'Connell's the guy. 
You think so? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be upset about it. I wouldn't be I'm good with either option. I, I think they both do things well. I I think I think Brom really likes the mobility that Plummer can bring. He is definitely more athletic, and I I was really impressed with how he moved in the pocket. So that's what I think he gets the nod. I mean, I agree. O'Connell looked really good, and I'd be very. I mean, he's. I just like the way he throws the ball. And I like his quick decision. Exactly. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it, either way, it's Purdue should have an experienced quarterback next year. And two, who's to say that Brom doesn't have a package for maybe he starts O'Connell has a running package for Plummer, or maybe they get Malik Hornsby and they have a running package for him or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think I said this a couple weeks ago. I think it's going to be like it could be like where Brom and with was with Sindelar uh, and Blau two years yeah. ago, kind of mm-hmm. rode the hot, hot rode the hot hand. They both play. Well, I mean, well, we know he doesn't have a long leash for quarterbacks, so I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it will be interesting. But I mean, whoever whoever the quarterback is, they're going to have tons of wide receiver weapons, and I mean, a pretty good tight end. And I mean, yeah, we lose Hopkins, but Payne Durham looked pretty good too. So, and I thought the offensive line they weren't great at the end of the year, but they 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 improved. I improved. thought improved. So. A lot of young, a lot of young guys that are unproven, but should I, I, I think somebody's going to figure it out. Barring injuries, I think 2020 should be a fun season. It's going to be a tough schedule, but I think it should be a fun season. But I think that every year. So I know. I was just saying, what did we say six months ago? I feel like wow. we're sitting here. Who would have ever thought man, exciting. have all the injuries we did at the key position? Yeah, I know. Yeah, our predictions were way off, but that's okay. We'll do them again next year. So, All right, let's talk some basketball, shall we? Um, yes, sir. Good, good, bas- good, good basketball, yeah. Here's the week of basketball for the board last week. Started off Wednesday, AC Big Ten Challenge. Just stopped at the time, number five, Virginia, the defending national champions, by a score of a 69 to 40. Never in doubt. Who wants, who wants to take it? First comments. That was really fun. Can we that shoot that all the time? <laughs> well, we proved that we can't because the next yeah, game was Sunday. pretty freaking bad. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, that, yeah, I mean that. Uh, Tanner, you and I were both there. Um, that was special. I mean, Mackey's a pretty, pretty awesome place. Um, def- didn't get as loud as it has in the past. It, it was up there. I think they. I think 122 decibels was the. Is what it, I think that the highest it was recorded during the game. I think, if I read that right. Um, but just kind of from the from the get go, the offense was clicking. Um, I mean, we we saw. So we I know we kind of talked about it last week. Um, where we were, you know, after the performance in Florida, we we said they should, he, he should definitely bench Wheeler and no Joe. There'd be no way he would do it, and lo and behold, he did it. I um, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. surprised. Yeah, they started Williams and they started uh, Sasha, and Sasha was phenomenal. I mean, that was mm-hmm. nice. I think that's really was the key was him just getting off to a hot start, mm-hmm. kind of just kind of contagious that shooting, and it proved to be too much for for, for Virginia. And it was kind of those things where. At halftime, I was like, man, I don't know if Virginia's going to be able to have the the shooters to get back into it. I mean, what, of course, when the game started and Diakite hit that three, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy can hit threes now. Of course he did. Yeah. Um, that I was mean, one of the louder boos. Yeah. That was the loudest non-conference opponent boo I've ever heard easily. Yeah. One of the louder ones I've heard outside of, like, Indiana and Michigan State. He was loving it, too. Oh, he was, yeah. He was, he was loving it. But, I mean, he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. Um he really improved his game. Yeah, being able to 
for us to shoot. I did not know if they'd be able to, to get back into it. I don't, they never really played full court pressure. They would sort of pressure the ball up kind of full court, but nothing like we saw with VCU. And They're more of a half court pressure defense. Yeah. Um, Very fundamentals. They got us down in the shot clock multiple times. We were able to score out of it, which was nice. Something we haven't really done. Um, all around, it was just a, a really great performance, and our defense was suffocating. Even I, mean, I, I know they're not a great offensive team, but I mean, he held a team to 40, held them to points. 40 points. Yeah, yeah. And it, it really was like in the mid 30s until the walk-ons got in there and gave up a few more baskets. But although I will say, I can't. I'm blanking on his name, but they had one kid. I feel like every time he hit a shot, he was fading away or something. But he just he only hit tough shots. Um, they're a good team, and they proved it by be- following up the game by beating North Carolina. So I think that'll prove to be a, a pretty good win. And they're going to get their second lead score, Braxton Key, back sometime. Mm-hmm. They're missing yeah. him. I mean, he wasn't worth 29 points, no. but they were missing him. That, that We should add that in there. But uh, as far mm-hmm. as game day atmospheres and crowd level, that was one of the loudest crowds I've ever heard of, Mackie. I think it was number mm-hmm. six loudest ever on the decibel meter. But um, – you know, I had a friend, well, I had a friend of all of ours there at the game with me. He's been to Talk 10 or 11 times. He said he had never heard it that loud before. Mm-hmm. He had trouble hearing me a few times. He was right <laughs> next to me, so mm-hmm. he that was pretty cool. And But he was telling me, we were talking after the game, he still doesn't think Mackey's an environment that opponents get intimidated by. He thinks it's just more of an environment that Purdue gets pumped up with. What do you guys think? What's your, what's your opinion on that? Why does he think – is it because, like, there's – like, the fans are not right on the court? I mean, the, it's kind of – You didn't give me any reason why. Yeah, I can see maybe just, like, the reputation just isn't – I mean, it's – I feel like Mackey's getting more more and more love as the years go on, especially just with the respect that comes with, with Coach Painter. But I just feel like, yeah, I think it's more of, like, the – I mean, when you, when you say – when you, you know you're going to Duke, you know exactly what to expect, you know, with the Cameron crazies. Um, I mean, even places like Assembly Hall, you just know they're going to be. There's a lot of people there. They're, it's going to be. It's going to be rowdy. They're, you know, they're they're big basketball school. I think you just kind of, for whether it's true or not, I think just kind of the reputation that some of these places have just been given over the years. And I feel like Mackey just isn't there quite yet. For, I mean, it's not right that it's know. not, but um, I feel like he doesn't have a reputation of being like. Oh, you know, we gotta go play in Mackey, sort of thing. Unless, unless, like, I think for conference play, people get it, but I think for out of conference, it's a little different. Just because I feel like it's just not getting the respect that it deserves. I think I I agree. It's not right there with like with uh, Cameron or anything like that. But I mean, I feel like every time Purdue has a national game like this, I always talk about it. Always, it is talked up a lot how great mm-hmm. how great Mackey is and the environment and the fans and everything like that. I guess now the more I think about what okay, is it Purdue playing or tougher on the opponents? I guess what's the difference? I mean, if Purdue's playing well because they're pumped up, then it's tougher. Right. I guess I see it's not much of the difference, but I think it's more so it's Purdue pumped up and plays really well, which makes it tougher on the opponents than the opponents getting shook and rattled. But then again, you know, they made uh, – a painter made the comment on his radio show yesterday that it was so loud that even our own guys couldn't hear each other. It's like, you can't <laughs> tell me that that's not – somewhat intimidating by yeah i mean even uh it's a concrete barrier i mean yeah it's pure concrete up there bouncing off the wall i'm pretty sure i think it was coach tony bennett said that i mean it was right up there with with duke which is pretty yeah praise 
Uh, and I, mean, I remember Chaka Smart said it was one of the craziest environments they've ever been in. And, it, it, and there's a reason we have the second best home record in the last five years, like one game behind Kansas at Fog mm-hmm. Allen. It, it drives me nuts that it doesn't get the same respect as some of those other places. Mm-hmm. Probably just because they have national championships. I honestly yeah, don't I think know. I think, it's part, I think part of it is just like you just know oh, that that place has history, like in terms of you know national champions, and we're not there yet. But we've sold out 14 straight games. Sold out in a, a freaking you know? like an exhibition game. But I will say, and Andrew's um, alma mater. I mean Butler. They won what is it, 56, 57, 58 straight non-conference home games. That's absurd. That's crazy. Yeah. And Hinkle's one of those places. I, I mean, it would be. It would, I would. I would love to see a home and home between Purdue and Boston. I would love yeah. That. At the same time, I want Purdue right. and Hinkle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but, but it would be very fun. That would be fun for both teams. But yeah, I don't. I don't. It don't. It won't happen with the crossroads. I think. No, but it won't. That, yeah, it'll be fine. I would love to. Uh, see, I'd love to see a home and home in Notre Dame. I'd love to see Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. It won't happen. So. Nope. Get ready. For it. But uh, <laughs> no, the crossroads is fun. Uh, we're two and six. <laughs> but anyways, that's a discussion for next week's podcast, which will be interesting. <laughs> I may have to abstain. <laughs> but um, now Mackey's a special place to watch a basketball game. It's fun. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're. It's cool we're when you see people, uh, friends of our both sports, you posted a, a quick cast where he was talking about there was someone on Twitter. Was mentioning how I don't think they had any affiliation with Purdue, but they said that Mackey was a bucket list item, which is like, man, that's you know, as you know, as you know, a former student and someone who's been going to get like, been lucky enough to go to games since I was since I can remember. Kind of, I always try not to take it for granted that you would get to watch <laughs> games in that arena. It's still, I mean, it's, I consider it one of my favorite places on earth just because it's so many memories and a lot of fun to go there. And it's just something special. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, do you guys remember kind of when it changed, or do you have like a Cause I mean, it wasn't always like that with me. I remember going to games like with my dad, like after like, like a, like a weeknight and we'd say, I don't know, I'm sure it was a non-conference, but it was two thirds full or half full or something like that. And that just doesn't happen now. I can vividly remember uh, like going to one of the first games of the season, like the second year of the baby boilers and just like noticing like, this is different. There was just that was I think since then it's just been different the entire environment the whole program I think that's- there's really, there's really two it's kind of what you said one for me is the Duke game uh, they uh, when we had the baby boys because I remember going to that game that was when the the paint crew was just on the one side um, and just seeing that they had literally filled in the aisles like there was you could not see the the stairs in the student section I thought that was like the, it was something like wow this is this is big time. And then unfortunately for us, when we were in school, it was not all that fun just because we <laughs> sucked. <laughs> so well, my after, freshman after, year was fun, but uh, your freshman, yeah, your freshman year was fun. Um, that was the last year the paint crew was on one side. Yeah. 10 and yeah when, I, when I got to school, we, we changed it. Um, I remember it, it just kind of dipped after that because it was again it was one of those things where we were playing a big team, but you know the upper the upper section of the paint crew wasn't full because people kind of just knew well we're playing Michigan we're probably gonna get beat or whatever um we're getting blown up by 37 against Indiana at home. that's miserable um, that sucked so bad <laughs> <laughs> miserable feeling um but I kind of noticed it really changed again 
I mean, obviously it comes with winning. Oh, but yeah. really, when uh, when the four senior, or the, I mean, I guess Baby Boilers Part 2 kind of came in with Vince, Isaac, and Dakota, and they kind of reestablished Purdue basketball to where it was, to where we wanted it to be. And I feel like the, the crowd definitely kind of started to change it because it was kind of back to where a lot of people were hoping it wanted, mm-hmm. they wanted it to be. Yeah, I have a few, have a few points. Um, going back to that Duke game, in a way, I've still never felt – I literally could feel the energy when you walk yeah. in the back. I've still never felt it like that. There was just something yeah. in the air. Yeah, Purdue didn't play very well. but It like, dissipated pretty freaking quickly after the game started. Yeah, because... it was to start. Um, yeah. But and that Purdue team just wasn't ready for that yet. But, uh, nope. Just as far, as far as, like, pregame atmosphere – even though this Virginia game was awesome and loud, and we have been to other ones during the game that are loud, pregame atmosphere, nothing has compared to that game. Mm-hmm. But as far as a moment, I, think, when I thought. Sorry, was, sorry to interrupt. The Virginia ahead. game, I, I felt a lot of nervous energy because this was one of those. That's yeah, how I felt. Yeah. Because I felt it was one of those things where it's like, man, this is a big game, but. Not like the lead eight. Maybe I want to no. for the game. That is a monster, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for, for the Virginia game, it felt just like. Man, this is a big game, great opportunity. But man, it's almost like we have to have this just because we hadn't had, you know, we hadn't really capitalized on our opportunities before, aside from VCU. I think if we would have been, you know, if we would have beaten Florida State, if we would have beaten Texas, yeah, you know, that undefeated, you know, Mackey season on the line against the number five team in the country, then it would have been a, a lot different. But mm-hmm. for me, it just felt like it was like, man, this is a big game, but wow, this is. I this could go south real fast. And it's crazy to think that was Purdue's uh, first non-conference win over a top five team in the history. Yeah, they don't, I mean, they, they don't really. I mean, they don't play, play too many. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. usually it was a lot of cupcakes and the occasional. I mean, Big Ten ACC challenge game, but but going back yeah, to the point, Andrew, when I thought it flipped was I go back to the 06-07 season, Big Ten ACC challenge, Terrence Crump. Get pretty much a buzzer beater to beat Virginia. Uh-huh. That was kind uh, of like, yeah. You know, Purdue basketball's back, or at least it's on its way back. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know why I remember this so so vividly, but um, go back to the 09-10 season. Still my most enjoyable season, even though it ended in heartbreak. I that was my favorite Purdue basketball team to watch. It was the first game of the year. It was a Friday night against Cal State Northridge, and the place was packed to the gills. And the anchor was so darn loud at the start of the game. It, I just looked around like I've never seen it like this in a season opener before. Just kind of mm-hmm. had that special feeling like, whoa, like everybody's ready for something special this year. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the first time mm-hmm. I remember that. But, yeah, good question because it is, it is a special place to watch basketball. And, and as much as I enjoy what I said, we haven't had the fortune of consecutive runs like we have in Mackey. And it's not the same no. home field or home court advantage, unfortunately. Maybe someday, but right now it's not. So, um, and then uh, Purdue followed up that win over Virginia by a Big Ten win to start Big Ten play over Northwestern. Uh, was it what was the score? Fifty six forty four or fifty eight forty four? Fifty eight forty four because Purdue covered it was fourteen. Yeah, Purdue uh, back to back games they held opponents under forty five points first time since nineteen forty seven, which is a pretty crazy stat. Definitely think this team. Like we already thought, is they're definitely going to be a more defensive team than offensive team. I think they're going to be very good defensively, but they're going to struggle on offense. They just didn't shoot the ball well Sunday. But fortunately, Northwestern is not very good on offense either. Um, now they get the week off, and they go to Lincoln on Sunday at Nebraska. 
think Purdue got pretty fortunate with who they start the Big Ten play with. Absolutely. That'll take who, it. Who is, yeah, who is Nebraska lost to? It's lost to some bad teams. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> They're not good. Yeah, you were kind of talking about it on your other podcast, Tam, but like I your our friend Josh mentions like I can't name a single player on their team. I they have got 14 new players on their roster, and I can't name a single one of them aside from their coach. I feel like is that is Glenn Glenn Watson or something like that? Is that point guard? Is he still mm-hmm. there? No, they've they've got 14 new people on their team. Like everybody transferred out, people transferred in. Like it, it's ridiculous. Oh wait, that Cheatham. He came from uh, and he, I think he came from Marquette. He came from somewhere in the Big I have no idea. So you would know. Cheatham. Hoiberg doesn't like to recruit. He loves JUCOs and transfers. That's Is that what he did at Iowa State? Is that what he did yep, at Iowa State? And then when he went to the Bulls, he was glad he didn't have to recruit anymore. But hey, but the mayor's the mayor's got quite the rebuild project on his, on his hands up there. No, and, yeah, yeah, it was Marquette. Okay. Hmm. At least he's more likable than their football coach. <laughs> I can't go through a podcast without saying something. <laughs> no. As uh, Scott Frost, Scott Frost has overtaken. PJ Fleck for Tanner's most hated. Oh, oh, it is close, but I think so. It is really close, though. But I, and we'll talk about the Big Ten Bulls next week on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see Auburn do to Minnesota what they did to us last year. Please. In the bowl game. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> we'll talk Bulls next 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 week. We'll try to wrap this up soon. So uh, yeah, it's pretty much one of those games. I think Purdue should win Sunday, but it's still a Big Ten road game. Mm-hmm. Got to show up and play. Yep. Because you got two matchups next week at Ohio. It's not going to be easy Tuesday night, and then no, not at all. Butler's never easy matchup for Purdue in the crossroads. Except Purdue did get Butler twice two years ago in the same season. Sorry, Andrew. Um, <laughs> but Purdue, like I said, their record in crossroads two and six. It just hasn't treated them very well over the years for some reason. So, but I, I feel good about the Nebraska game. I'll even throw in a prediction. Um, I'll say 66-52, Purdue. I do like that. Um, I was just looking at Purdue's schedule and results. Do you know Purdue has only given up 60 points twice this season? defensive team, man. Once, once against yeah. Marquette and then – was Texas the other one? Texas. 66 versus yeah. Texas. And, no, not Marquette. Florida uh, Florida State. Marquette only scored. Oh, crap. Sorry. I read that wrong. I'm looking at this wrong. I'm an idiot. Texas scored 70. Marquette scored 65. Okay. Yeah. And then Florida State. Okay, three times. Well, Florida State took overtime. So. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But, yeah, I think Matt Harms stayed the best. They realized early on they were going to be a very strong offensive team. They realized they could be a very strong defensive team. So that's kind of where they shift their focus. And defense travels. That's the beautiful thing about mm-hmm. defense. Oh, and that's what just looking at those last five games. Like yeah. 49 points, 49 points, 40, 44, yeah, 63, whatever, but 56. Yeah, I think yeah. if, if Wheeler can get it going and if Nojel can get some sort of offense, I mean, or even do something to remotely look like offense, I think the, the our offense as a team will take a big step forward because Trey's been playing awesome. Eric Hunter's been playing really great. You know, Sasha's kind of – Emerging, um, 
Proctor has been fantastic in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harms is kind of spotty, but when he's on, he's on. Um, what did we talk about? How many threes for Matt Harms over under? What did we say before the season? 25, 25, 25 or 30. Oh, I thought we said like, will he make like 10 or 15 or something? Uh, it was, or was it was it was it will he make twenty five? I think Eastern was ten. Okay, <laughs> like I was thinking ten. I'm like he's already hit like six. The Harms was like make twenty five. I think it was. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Wheeler and Eastern just gotta get their confidence going. Wheeler's or Eastern's playing outstanding defense. That's why you gotta have him out there. He just he's so inconfident. He won't even shoot the ball. And Wheeler, according to my dad, when he came out for warmups and second half, he missed seven straight threes. He just he just can't find it, um, but yeah. he's gonna have to get all that funk soon because I don't like comparing some players to certain past players, but he's kind of starting to remind me of Anthony Johnson a little bit. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I thought that earlier. I was like, man, I hope to God he doesn't transfer. But yeah, I was like, man, I hope to God he's not turned to Anthony Johnson. Just Anthony Johnson was like a top forty player in high school, potential registered, and they just never. Yeah, never, I never. Shows potential here and there in games. He just never, never came to whatever I thought he was going to be. I don't know. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I mean, we really yeah. need there because I think he can be a special player. But mm-hmm. so, and plenty, plenty of time. We'll time so we'll see. Yep. Any closing thoughts? Uh, just win by double digits on Sunday. I'll just care about <laughs> get, ahead, get ahead, get ahead early so we can. Yeah. Make quit. Yep. Yep. I agree. Unlike, and this, I, unlike this Northwestern game. Yeah. Yeah. That was a boring game to watch. The presentation on Big Ten Network is boring. Bardo called the game. I don't like when he calls games. <laughs> I kind of mind Bardo. Uh, yeah. I'm not big. He's so arrogant about himself. Yeah. <laughs> Sixth man on that team wasn't even like he was a starter on that flying flying line. I think teach their own. So, and the boiler breakdown this week is brought to you by Shroff Landscaping Nurseries, like it is every week. Give them a call at 574-223-2769 for all of your landscaping needs. It's a little cold for landscaping this time of year, but you can always design and get ahead of the game for 2020. Give them a call at 574-223-2769. And make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Boiler Break Pod if you haven't already. And tell your friends, especially your Purdue friend, friends, about our podcast. We appreciate everybody who uh, views and watches and listens every week. And um, listen and subscribe on uh, any platform you listen to your podcast at, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on there. And if we're not on there, let me, Evan, or Andrew know, and we'll try to make it happen. So um, with that said, we'll be back next week. For, I think it'll be our last podcast of 2019 next week. I think we'll take mm-hmm. this week off. Too busy with the holidays. So we'll be talking Crossroads Classic and uh, Big Ten Bowl games and a bunch of stuff next week. So uh, boiler up, hammer down, and beat the Cornhuskers. Boiler up.